Welcome to the podcast, Appetite for Distortion, episode 245. It is Brando. Today, just a moment, we're going to be joined by Sean Dowdell, the drummer of Grey Days. Now, if you don't know, Grey Days was the band Chester Bennington was in before Linkin Park. And they were supposed to reunite a few times throughout the years. And as we all know, unfortunately, Chester took his life and we, we, we lost the great soul that is Chester Bennington. But what Sean and his Grey Days bandmates, they've done something really wonderful. They've involved uh, Chester, uh, his friends from Corn and, uh, and Chester's uh, family to create the album Amends, which came out last year. But what is out now is uh, Amends Stripped. So it is the uh, a remastered Chester vocals of when he was much younger, kind of coming full circle with their friend, trying to do right by uh, we, the Chester Bennington fans. You know, I have spoken about him many a time on this podcast for a variety of reasons, which we're going to get into with Sean. So let's not waste any more time. Hi, Sean. Thank you so much for taking some time out to speak with me today. Of course. No worries. My right pleasure. I, I got to be completely honest. I always am on this podcast. I just listened to the entire uh, Amends Stripped uh, EP, which comes out January 29th. And I'm pretty emotional, to be honest with you. You know, it's uh, it's raw. It's powerful. Um, just, just I, I will say, before anything else, congratulations on putting this together. I, I can't imagine it was an easy task. Well, thank you so much. First and foremost, uh, we appreciate that you like the music. So that's, that's, uh, always great to hear. And yeah, it was, uh, you know, it was a, <laughs> it was a big undertaking, but I think we, I think we did right by our friend and created something special. You did. Uh, and it's, these vocals were recorded when he was 17, right? Or, I- uh, so shouting out, he would have been 17 or 18. Sometimes what's in the eye syndrome and soul song he would have been 20 or 21 okay wow i mean regardless all of them I mean, you know soul song is the one that sticks out to me uh but still that's that's young uh sorry as my phone goes off as i'm calling you i'm usually in a studio in tribeca uh sean but i'm here uh-huh. uh recording from my my home studio as i continue to feel my quarantine uh doing radio out of my you know out of my uh my apartment here in queens but you know what this all ties together because he's, it sounds like it was recorded yesterday. And as I'm listening to it, I feel like it was yesterday when I was listening to Lincoln Park in my college dorm and just feeling uh, Chester's voice and his lyrics and associating it and, and, and kind of empathizing and letting it be my, 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 my outlet, my healthy outlet to my depression, which I was going through at the time. Uh, and I didn't know it, you know. Uh, so that's awesome. Yeah, I, I, it's you may be able to tell by the 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 name of the podcast, "Appetite for Distortion." So it's like, yeah, Axel's lyrics. But I'm telling you, Chester, since like that, his lyrics since Axel's, it was like, because I'm I'm 37, I just turned 37, so Axel was kind of a 
a little bit before my time, even though I'm, I'm a fan, obviously. But Chester is somebody I grew up with, you know, high school and everything, you know, musically, of course, not literally like you. I know what you mean. <laughs> of course you do. Uh, so it just, it just became an outlet. So when you're, because you helped, was it primarily him? I guess how much of it did you put into these lyrics that came out that it just, you gave a fresh sound to, I guess that's where I want to lead to because the lyrics are so important to this day. Thank you. Thank you. He and I wrote really well together and he had no ego or issues in writing with other people. So some of the songs he wrote completely by himself, like shouting out and sometimes those were hundred percent hits, but um, you know, there's other songs like um, you know, the syndrome or what's in the eye that I primarily uh, took over the lyric writing. And then he would add his thing, but it, it's, it's unique in a way because even if I wrote the song, let's say I wrote it hundred percent, it didn't become what it was until he got a hold of it and was able to interpret those lyrics in a way that he did. And, you know, there's just, there, there's a song called, um, maybe not on this, on this album, but uh, one that sticks out to me specifically is a track called in time. I remember bringing the lyrics in. I said, Hey, here's some lyrics I wrote, you know, and we started messing with the music and, and then I would kind of give him what my interpretation of the lyrics were. And I said, there's this one part, I just want you to kind of hum, the word pain, you know, just real low. And I just, you know, pain and did this thing with him. He goes, okay. And then he gets on the microphone and he screams it as loud as he can with as much emotional intensity and insanity that you could possibly ring from one word. And that's what made the song. So although even if I did write the majority of a lyric on a song, it didn't become what it was until he touched it, until he got a hold of it. So um, that was my contribution in lyrics. Uh, the stuff that he wrote himself, of course, was very personal to him, and he was able to convey his message very easily. He, he had that innate ability to um, be able to interpret the emotions of words really, really well through his through his vocals. And that, that, to me, was one of Chester's greatest gifts, was being able to connect on what other people were feeling through his music and what he was saying. I mean, uh, you're, you're saying exactly why I'm a fan, you know, uh, it's the certain, yes, it's the words themselves, but the way he would portray it, you know, it's why we miss concerts so much is screaming these words, letting it come out, you know, amongst all these other people. It's so therapeutic, you know, uh, so it's, you, you nailed it, obviously. Uh, was it always the plan, you know, to, you know, when you, when amends came out, was it always the plan to do a a stripped down version of it because this is no. okay. Cause this is hearing Chester at his rawest, which is, you know, sometimes is the best. So, you know, this kind of goes to Tom Wally's genius where, um, when we were recording amends, you know, Tom didn't really know how much stuff we really had in the, in the, in the vault. And he was sitting around one day and we just played him a couple of these acoustic tracks we had had. And he goes, well, we should use some of these for the the, uh, the bonus tracks for, because some of their distribution partners like Walmart target and I'm uh, forgetting Walmart target and uh, Oh, and, and, and in Japan, they have to have one, at least one exclusive track for right. their distribution so that it makes it special or whatever that people will drive traffic to buy it from their outlet, which Fun, makes sense. And funny so goes, story. Well, use- funny story. That's why uh, guns and roses, the, the live era, the, uh-huh. the Japanese version has coma on it and the American yeah. version doesn't. So, yeah. There, so there you go. So, <laughs> so Target, Walmart, and the Japanese releases all got different bonus tracks. 
And that's how it started. He's like, these are so good. You know, we should, we should use them as bonus tracks. And then after we put out a mint, he said, you know, we should just do um, an EP with these songs stripped down. We don't have to do this huge promotion behind it. I just think that his fans will really um, connect with him the way he's singing these songs this way. Cause they're a little bit different than, the men's versions, you know, the men's version, a little bit more rocked and, and a little bit more aggressive vocally. And you can hear just these little subtle nuances in these performances that are different. And I think it makes it really special. And to hear Chester strips back, you really get to hear the color of his voice. And just as these little inflections he's able to do, his creative nuances that he's able to do that really paint the picture of emotion he's trying to convey that I think is amazing. So, there, you know, we have to credit Tom with, with that, uh, with, with pushing us to do the stripped album. So we went in the, we went in the studio after we did a man's with Billy Bush and, and got all these songs with the exception of one song, which okay. is called the syndrome. The syndrome actually was left in its original format. Um, we had done that when we were recording our second record in the studio. I hopped on the grand piano and, Mace and Bobby picked up 12 string guitars and Chester sat next to me on the grand piano and sang. And we just did a live version. It's a two track mix. It's, we didn't have all, we don't even have all of the tracks of that song. It's literally just us in a room playing. And so we were able to keep the original guitar player, Bobby Benish on that track wow. in its original format and in its original environment. That's why it's, you know, it doesn't sound like a huge mix or anything. It's literally us in a room with a couple of microphones mixed down just to adapt. And I was just uh, uh, watching another interview with you with, uh, I believe, Stryker from K-Rock, and you were telling this story about the original guitarist, Bobby. That's why uh, Chester reached out to you, because you guys had fallen out after the band broke up. But uh, so that's, I mean, that's pretty amazing, because I guess he was the reason why you guys reconnected. All the, and thankfully. Uh, he was the reason why. So yeah. when Grey Days broke up, we had some hard feelings. You know, we were, we were upset with each other, and, we didn't talk for, you know, two years and he reached out when Bobby was diagnosed with a brain tumor, uh, that ended up being terminal for him. And, you know, it was like, we just picked up where our friendship left off. We both apologized to each other for saying some stupid things. And, and, and we both realized that, you know, we were best of friends and we both missed each other. And, and we, I think I was out in LA with him the very next weekend and we picked right up where we left off and, we eventually became business partners. We tried to put Great A's back together in 2002. Um, and that didn't work out because he had some contractual obligations with, uh, with Lincoln Park to, to go in the studio. And then they pulled him back from that. But uh, Great A's was always a passion project for him. And we tried once again in 2007, but the timing didn't work out for me. I hurt my back um, playing basketball really bad. And, uh, couldn't, couldn't make it happen. And then, so in 2016, when he reached out, you know, we talked all the time on the phone cause we were business partners. So, um, it wasn't uncommon for us to talk, you know, once a week or so. And, uh, he called me and he said, you know, I think we should do another club tattoo party. That was our business that we owned together. And I said, okay. And we hadn't thrown one in a couple of years. And he says, and, and I've been thinking about it. I think we should put great days back together for the party. I think that was a really cool idea. And I said, I'm in, let's do it. And, that's how it started. And then it kind of snowballed from there. Mm. You know, it's just so much promise and, 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 you know, they hear the story like, yeah, life is so short, you know, and it was, you didn't, you wait, it's not like you waited too long. It wasn't, um, you know, after I guess your friend passed and, and it was, you know, just the idea of it, that you were able to do it before 
you know, Lincoln Park was big, but it wasn't like he was the superstar for years and years and years. And I don't know. I, I like the timing of it all, but I, I got to address uh, something that is personal to me. Many of my listeners know, uh, not everyone does uh, because I get new listeners all the time. But one of the reasons why Chester's passing hit me hard uh, because it was the same way I lost my dad. And it was, oh, I'm sorry. Thank you. And I'm sorry for, for you, you losing your friend. You know, uh, all, all these years later, it, it doesn't matter. You know, uh, that's why listening to this EP, it just sounds like you're all in a room and I'm thinking about not just the music, but I'm thinking about what you guys are going through because, you know, my dad was just a few years before Chester. I think it was a year before, uh, Robin Williams. Then it just seemed like the snowball with, you know, Chris Cornell and then Chester, you know, uh, so yeah. I don't know. Do you have any, is there any insight? Cause you, you always play back in your mind about certain conversations or, you know, I, I do my best to, to kind of convey to other people to look out for certain signs of other people. Cause it's not always the obvious signs. It could be the person who is happy. And especially in the time where we're all quarantined or we were all alone. And thankfully I can do my podcast from home because this is a help. I can, I can Skype with my therapist, you know, I could do these things, but I give people, I, I'm sure I gave out signs that maybe this kid is a, you know, is a chemical imbalance. So was there anything with Chester? If you want, we can move past this. If it's too sensitive, I wanted to be open about myself before. No, I, I think this. it's important for, for people to know, which is um, why I'm asking not just about Chester, but it's, it's important if they see something or in general around people, maybe give them some insight. So I'll say this: I okay. talk to Chester all the time. I talked to him two days before he passed away. We were supposed to start rehearsing um, on Sunday. He passed away on Thursday. I saw nothing that would tell me that this was about to happen. He was super excited. We were laughing. We were joking. We talked for nearly an hour. The last time I talked to him on the phone, there was nothing that sounded depressed. He did not sound melancholy. He did not sound sad or upset with anybody. I saw absolutely nothing the in the in the weeks prior to this now a year or so before this i did see some stuff and brought it up to him my wife brought it up to me as a matter of fact she said something's changed with him he's he's not uh he's not right something something's off and i brought it up and he's like oh no i'm just going through some personal stuff and 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 that was really it but that was a you know year year and a half before it happened and i know you know, some of the fan reactions to his, his newest uh, record, One More Light, really got him upset. Right. Because um, he felt like they didn't embrace it the way he had hoped they would. But I don't think that was the reason it happened. I think it was a, a, a culmination. I think he stopped taking his medication. Um, you know, and I think, quite honestly, that's probably the largest physiological reason. You know, when you, when you cold turkey the medication, um, that you're on for, for antidepressant, it's, it, it can do really harmful things to your mindset and make mm-hmm. you think irrationally. Uh, but I'm not a doctor and I wasn't inside Chester's head. And, uh, you know, you have these people that try to, to, to second guess what he was thinking or why he did it. Sometimes it is not a rational reason. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I think anyone in their shoes could, could say, well, he had his kids, he had his wife, he had his band, he had all these great things to live for his family. And none of that comes into your scope or your field of vision when you're thinking like this, you're right. like um, the depression or 
the the, the mindset uh, of suicide really overshadows and is just it's the largest gorilla in the room and it's the only thing that they can think of at that moment while it's happening, which is why they end up taking that plunge. Because if they had even a moment of clarity, if he, he had a moment to think about his children or his family, I know Chester, he would have stopped. If there would have been anybody else around him, he would have stopped. And I, and I think Chester regretted doing it the moment it happened. I really believe that. Mm. So, um, yeah, that's, that's what I think about that. Well, it's very well said, and uh, you're, you're right in, in, in everything, how I feel. As someone who I've been in therapy for, for 10 years, thankfully, I was in therapy when my, uh, you know, that happened with my dad. You know, I've had my, uh, my bouts with depression, just thoughts of suicide. Um, thankfully, I've never, I guess, officially attempted it, but, you know, basically my entire 20s, I wanted to die. You know, that's what I'm, to be oh, honest with you. I'm that, sorry. I mean, th- I mean but thank, thank you, but, I mean, now... I'm recently engaged. I have a great job working for IR Radio. I mean, but again, I think back listening to this uh, Great Days EP of how far I came in kind of a short amount of time. I mean, you know, I'm 37, you know, you go back to college or high school, whatever, where I was kind of, when I was depressed and really know about it. It's a long time ago. Yes and no. I'm still young. I'm not 40 yet, I guess. No offense to anybody out there. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but it's just, that's what hurt me a lot. Just seeing like, uh, Chris and Chester seeming to be in a good place. Like my dad, he wasn't in a good place. You can see plenty of signs. So, but when you look at the lyrics, and again, I know we're looking at Chester uh, at a prison when he's 17, 20, 21. You know, is that just an outlet or do you ever look at lyrics and being like, whoa, you know, are you okay? Like, or is it just like, hey, this is, this is an awesome rock song. Like did that ever? No, Chester had, Chester had a, a phenomenal ability into, um, you know, we've all, every person I know has felt suicidal at one point in their life. So you could, you could point at anything and say, oh, there it is. Right. I, I think that's the, you know, what, what, I don't think it's a benefit, but I think that's the ease of hindsight is everything looks so easy to interpret and, and right. to decipher. And I don't think that that's reality. If it was, it would be a lot easier to stop all this kind of stuff if it was happening. Yeah. Um, and, and I think that Chester... You know, when we grew up, you know, we idolized these grunge bands that had really made it popular to talk about pain and sadness and loneliness and and hurts and, you know, bad parenting and growing up in a certain way and, and being um, disproportionately, uh, you know, in poverty and all these things that weren't popular in the 80s. In the 80s, they're talking about sex, drugs and rock and roll. In the 90s and in early 2000s, uh, we had kind of come full circle in realizing that talking about these things that are uncomfortable is not, not only okay, but people appreciate it. Yeah, you're right. I get a lot oh. of messages like that. And, uh, you know, I, I, it makes me feel good because I wasn't sure how my listeners were going to respond to, you know, talking about mental health, but it, it crosses over every aspect of life. Uh, you know, obviously I use it within the rock world, and uh, Chester's name has come up so often. You know, I'm lucky I got to see him live uh, a few times. You know, this is a, a question, and you know, obviously, I'm coming from a, a good place, but a lot. It's come up recently, like with, with Wolfgang Van Halen. You know, Van Halen's not getting back together with him. They'll have a you know a, a tribute show. That's it. Because something else I always think about when this happens to a celebrity, whether it is a, a suicide or something tragic, is the children. As someone who's a child of someone who did something tragic, 
You know, I know what that's like. So I think about Chester's kids reading shit online that people write. And I know you've gotten, you've befriended Jamie and he's contributed to, uh, to this. Is there any thought of working with Jamie in the future, whether it's grade A's or no. another project? Okay. No, okay. no, that's not what this was about. The reason we tried to include the kids was because Chester never got to record with his kids. Okay. There's an idea that I had when we were in the studio, you know, for all the things Chester has done in his life, he never got to record with his kids. So we asked all the kids and Jamie rose to the occasion and came in and sang on one song. Okay. We'll do the same thing with Draven on the next one. We, we asked Draven in the last one, but uh, he wasn't ready and that's fine. And uh, we didn't do it for any of the accolades or any of that crap. We did it so that Chester could have one last connection with his children in a, in a way that would um, be meaningful. That's so so cool. that's where it came from. Uh, I would not play with Jamie in a full-time band. It's not at all what we tried to do. Um, we're not trying to do that. It, this was solely about, you know, doing something for our friend. And it's very difficult to try to give something back to somebody who's passed away. And that was something that we came up with that I felt was not only unique, but meaningful. So um, if Draven wants to sing on the next record, we'll, we'll have him do that. If Tyler or Lily or Lila, they want to sing on the next record. We'll, we'll do that as well, but it's up to them. You know, we're not going to try to push or force that stuff. Um, you know, if they, if they want to have that connection with their dad and, and do that, then great. And if they don't, that's okay too. That's beautiful. I, I, I love that. And I didn't know, I, obviously I knew that wasn't the objective. I guess to know if something, you know, came out no, of we it. We get that unexpected. question a lot. So, oh, of course. No, no, no. We get, we get that a lot. And, and, you know, and Jamie's singing backup vocals on soul song. And a lot of people, they, they misunderstood. They're like, oh, is this, you know, Jamie's singing the whole thing. No, it's not. He's singing in the chorus with his dad, you know, and that's the song that he chose. And, and it was meaningful to him. So um, and we'll do the same thing for the other kids if they want to do it. Cause I, it's really I, that simple. <laughs> and I'll suggest to people, and I posted it, because there's a great documentary, a short documentary, like eight minutes long, that Loudwire did, where you talk about that. Uh, and again, I used to have it. I, I didn't know if something birthed out of it, like maybe like a one-off song or something like that. That was my, my reason for questioning, but I, I understand people just wanting to ask that and, but no, your intention, that's what made me feel so good about your purpose. And then someone who is a, a victim of tra uh, tragedy is that you're doing this to, you know, for closure, for your friend, for you, for his family. I mean, I wish I would, uh, you know, it made me feel good as someone who lost his father that you're doing this for his kids. My dad was a dentist. I, I'm not going to go do a root canal. It's not going to make me feel any better, <laughs> but you, you have this opportunity. Sorry. I have to have comedic relief in, uh, in this to make it uh, easier uh, a bit. Uh, curious. Cause since you have obviously a limited amount of uh, tracks, has there anyone reached out to you to be like, you know, I would love to add to this or my take on this. Cause I know you've worked with the corn guys. Is anyone be like, you know what? I have an idea for this, this track. Would you? Yeah. We've, We've gotten quite a few of those requests. Anyone, uh, it, you can say no, <laughs> you can say pass, uh, but um, any names you would want to mention? Well, the people that we put on the record were people that we felt could add something and include. There was a couple people that asked that we said no to that I will not. Okay. You know, I don't want to, I don't want to make anybody feel bad or, you know, because it wasn't, we didn't say no because we didn't like them or something like that. We just felt like it wasn't a good fit for what we were trying to accomplish. And the whole goal, you know, it didn't start out with, oh, we're going to add all these people to this record. That certainly wasn't the, how it just very organically happened. You know, we started with one and it just kind of 
happened several times. We have a few people we'd like to work with on the next album. We're reaching out to them to see if they want to do it. And if okay. they don't, that's fine too, because the music's great on its own. That's what, um, that's what I was leading to. That was my question. So what is next after Amends Strips comes out on the 29th? Uh, we'll be back in the studio probably in early April to record the next record. We have another full-length album uh, coming out. And uh, we've done, spent the past eight months basically um, writing all those songs around Chester's voice again, the same way we did Amends. And I think it's very special. It's going to be great. I really look forward to it. I know you call the, the amends a, a gift to Chester's fans. Uh, this is certainly a gift script as well. I'm looking forward to more gifts, if I can keep using that word. Uh, Absolutely. Sean, th just thank you so much for your time. And I know it's it's difficult. So again, uh, I'm sorry for your loss. And you just, you know, uh, can, I, I love what you're doing. So thank you. I'll just say that. Thank you. Uh, I appreciate it. Thanks for your time. And hopefully... Everybody else uh, gets a chance to, to listen to music and appreciate it as well. You got it. You have a great day. Thank you. Ooh, I mean, um, I knew going into this interview it was going to be tough for me because it is the, the elephant in the room uh, for me and I think for a lot of people who have suffered a loss like that because it's always, you never forget. You, you learn to live with it. Some days are better than others. But it's always there. And so when I have a guest talk about addiction or in, and specifically suicide, how do I not bring it up? Especially since, you know, it's been brought up on the podcast before and many of you are aware of, you know, some of my, my stories. So the, I, I saw this as a good opportunity and I'm glad I had this great conversation with Sean because he was so right about many things uh, about the I mean, medication, you know, without me personally, without medication and therapy, I don't know if I would be here right now, but if you don't see the right therapist, if you don't take the right medication, if you're not properly taking your medication, if you're off it, whatever, scary things can happen. None of us truly know, and that's a fact, what goes through somebody's mind at that moment, but we can all relate to the gamut of feelings. So there was a lot to, to come. we had to get, get through. We had to work through uh, in that conversation, but I think the most important thing is the music. And uh, music is healing. It's certainly very strange to hear Chester's voice and something that, to think back, he's 17, 21 years old, and uh, to kind of have uh, the foreshadowing of, of hearing those lyrics and what his life would, would become and how it would and how it end. Uh, but it's wonderful that he has friends like that to put out this music for all of us to enjoy. And I don't want to have a complete after-school special here to, as we wrap up this, uh, this episode of Appetite for Distortion, but it is important. And that's not just coming from me. That's coming from you. I have received countless messages from guys, from girls, from uh, different countries, people who where English is not their first language. It was appreciating, thanking me for when I talk about mental health. And, and just uh, the podcast in general, and I, I never truly know how to respond to that because, you know, you're thanking me for, for what? I enjoy doing this. Uh, you know, radio is my career. This uh, podcast portion of, uh, of radio is kind of a passion project, but I, it's still my career where, that I chose, and I love to do it, getting to talk to all these cool people. Uh, but I've also realized, especially during this pandemic, and this is why people I've realized, and I've learned just to say thank you, uh, they they need an outlet. They need 
something to distract them from whatever is going on in their life, which is only amplified uh, over the past year, which, because we have less places to go, less, less es escapes, you know, so uh, concerts were so an escape for so many people. And, uh, I, I want to play this voice message that I got. Yes. A voice message. I, I get those two. Uh, of course you can always reach me on social media or, or email, but I appreciate this is from, uh, from Dave from Australia. I love my Australian listeners. One of these days or years or whatever, I won't make it down there and, and make that what a uh, 20 something hour flight. So uh, with his permission, I wanted to play this, this uh, voice message he left me. Well, I hope you know that uh, everything you do is very much appreciated. Um, I'm in uh, Western Australia, which is as far from New York as could possibly be. Yeah, you reach everywhere on this planet. So, yeah, thank you. Man, it, it sounds like you're, uh, you're really deep in Australia. It just, <laughs> wow, it just sounds like a giant spider, a giant huntsman spider is about to attack you any moment. See, that's what I know about Australia. Uh, everything I learned from the Simpsons episodes and then you just have like killer animals there all the time, but I definitely want to go um, one of these days. So uh, anyway, I get a lot of messages like that. So I want to use this opportunity to, to talk, to, to combine these themes of mental health, depression, and of course the main theme, which is guns and roses. So I've spoken plenty about why uh, I guess Axel is my, my favorite a uh, member of Guns N' Roses, if you're going to do that, you're, you know, to be a, a fan for a second, you know, your favorite member of the Beatles, your, your, your favorite uh, Ninja Turtle. <laughs> so Axel was my favorite uh, Guns N' Roses member. And a lot of it was because of, of how November rain changed me, how emotional that was. It showed me what rock could be that it could rock hard with these ripping solos and just show the emotion into it and tap into my depression. So it got me to thinking, what is Axl Rose's, his, his songwriting process? You know, how hard is it for him to write the lyrics of, or was it hard to write the lyrics of Estranged or November Rain you know, or Patience or any of these songs that seem to have a real emotional, you know, a deep connection to? Is it cathartic? Is it hard for him? Because I was thinking about that while we're talking to Sean. You know, he's going back and he's listening to his friend's voice. You know, that's no longer here. His friend's voice taken back to a time where the world was their oyster, as they say. I can't imagine how hard that was for Sean and uh, the rest of the Grey Days guys and the family members that get involved to hear the voice of. I'll, I'll say that. It was said to me once. And usually you do it with grandparents. Record a, a conversation with them. You'll be glad you did. But this is obviously different. These are, you know, these are songs. So you know, how hard is, is that part of the process for Axel? You know, is it part of the delay in things? Is it really emotionally taxing for him to write some of these songs? Just something to think about. Just trying to, to tie a bow on this uh mental health edition of Appetite for Distortion. <laughs> Just something to think about. But I say that a lot. I say this with talk about Suspect 208. Talk about the uh, Noah Weiland, uh, Scott Weiland's son and, and the breakup with that band with, with London Hudson, Scott's, uh, Slash's son. And uh, 
you just don't know what they're all going through. And these are kids and people have families. So these are people. So as much as like I, and we all get angry about new music, we want it, we want it, we want it. I will always go back to saying, we just don't know what's going on. We don't know. I don't want to make excuses where it's something as simple. And I don't believe this, you know, uh, Axel's playing video games every day, uh, you know, swimming in a sea of his money, like, uh, like Scrooge McDuck. No, I don't believe that. I just don't know what the process is. And do we deserve to know? I don't know. I think that's a debate for another podcast. Because if you're going to have a public job giving, uh, you know, playing music, and the only reason you have that public job is because fans buy your music and, and attend your concerts and spend money on your band, is there a certain level of communication that needs to be there? Like in sports. I know the conversation for another day, but for this particular episode, I'm going to uh, err on the side of mental health caution. I don't know. This could be very weird for Axel to go back and revisit these lyrics. If he is revisiting songs from Chinese democracy and put them together with, uh, with Slash and Duff where there was so much uh, angry, angry feelings and hatred for so many years. So who knows what the process is? I still believe we will get new music at some point. I also believe we'll have a person land on Mars at some point. I just don't know when that's going to be. <laughs> Hopefully in this lifetime. So anyway, that does it for this after school special of Appetite for Distortion. I appreciate all of you for hanging out on this Guns N' Roses themed bar mitzvah party of a broadcast where we look at life through Guns N' Roses colored glasses. Very interesting how we could push the boundaries of this uh, GNR-centric podcast. Oh, and please, if you haven't yet, if, you, if you've seen on social media, Doug Goldstein, former manager of Guns N' Roses, friend of the show, supporting a brand new Appetite for Distortion t-shirt, which you can get available via Redbubble. Thank you, Doug, for being my model. And uh, if you haven't yet, please subscribe on YouTube. That is where all the Zoom interviews live, including... The, uh, the interview with Fat Mike of NoFX, which is doing quite well. And I love this, uh, this response because it's, it's, yeah, we have the core AFD show fans, but depending upon the guest, which is the point, we bring in new fans of that person. So uh, this person wrote on YouTube, uh, the JT guy was cool. JT Turret, uh, of course, uh, was my special guest co-host. Uh, but the bearded fellow seems overly medicated and was obviously making his way through the interview. <laughs> I am appropriately medicated. It took me any, many years to find that, but I love it. Oh, that was so funny. And the faking his way, I mean, you can't fake it too much. You got to kind of not know what you're doing. I don't know about uh, as much uh, about no effects as I do Guns N' Roses, but, you know, I, don't, I, I never want to go in overly prepared for an interview. Because then you get distracted. You're like, I got to get to this question. I got to get to that question, this and that. I just know the overall and I have a discussion. So look at that. Uh, normally I might get mad at a comment like that. Now I think it's hilarious. See, mental health. You can have a happy ending. <laughs> so until the next episode of Appetite for Distortion, when will you see it in the words of Axel Rhodes concerning Chinese democracy? I don't know if soon is the word, but you'll see it.
the lame-ass security, I'm going home. <laughs>